You know, God teaches us lessons as we go through life. If we take time, uh, maybe stop a little and listen uh, to what God has to say to us. I think many, if not all of you, know what's uh, gone on in the last couple of weeks in my life and in the life of my family. Uh, but for those of you who didn't, uh, on July 10th, my daughter had a seizure at home. She was, uh, they called 911. She was rushed to the hospital. And uh, I, was, uh, I was called right away and I uh, rushed down to the hospital to St. Paul's to be with her and see what was going on. Um, we, uh, we waited there for a little while. I got there about 8.30 in the evening. And about 11 o'clock or 11, I don't remember exactly, but about 11 o'clock that night, well, in the interim, she's taken off for a, a head CT scan. But uh, in the interim, we were just waiting. And you don't really know what's happening. You're filled with all, and some of you have gone through these sorts of things. You know the kind of things you're feeling. There's anxiety. What's going on? Why is this happening? There's just that general kind of stress that these things bring to you. Sitting in an emergency room is always uh, kind of a stressful experience. But about 11 o'clock or so that evening, so just uh, two and a half hours later, uh, the doctor, the ER doctor, comes. And I'm there with my daughter and her boyfriend. And the doctor pulls the curtains around the bed. And I think this is not something he does when he says, everything's fine, why don't you just go home and have some rest? Then he wheels in a chair. And I'm like, okay, this is really serious. He's going to sit and have a talk with us. And he was great. He was very sensitive and caring, but he's... He says, I've got some bad news for you. The CT has showed that you've got a brain tumor. Well, that just sort of makes you stop in your tracks and think, what? Like, when I got a call a couple hours, three hours earlier, this isn't what I, how I was expecting my evening to end, but here it is. And, and when he told us, he said he had arranged for a transfer to VGH. He had uh, admitted us. He had scheduled an MRI for the next day at, at VGH. On Friday, uh, that was uh, July 13th, uh, she went in the morning into surgery and had the brain tumor removed. Monday, so less than a week later, she's discharged to her home, back to her place. Wow. Okay, you know, things like that are life-changing for you. Uh, certainly more for her than for me. But for all of our family, uh, this is a, is a life-changing uh, thing for all of us. There is the, the shock of all of this happening. That really just coming out of nowhere. Um, you know, the, the, the stress of, of brain surgery, the fear of... What's going to happen? How is this going to unfold? The fear of, especially for her, but for all of us, what's, what's going to happen next? And during all of that time, there's a lot of waiting. And I, and I know some uh, have waited even longer, actually, from Tuesday night to Friday morning waiting for the surgery. Doesn't, that is actually not that bad. But, but still, there's that time of waiting when you really can't do anything. You can't really go back to work and try and focus on, on anything because you won't be able to, so you just kind of sit and wait. 
And during those times of sitting and waiting, waiting for the next test, waiting to find out the results of the next test, waiting to find out what the next step in the process is going to be, waiting to find out when is the surgery going to happen, waiting for the surgery to be over and to hear from the surgeon what he's found, it was just overwhelming and hard to do anything but just sit and wait. But an interesting thing happened as I was waiting. Somehow, God spoke to me. Not in an audible voice, but God spoke to me clearly enough. What did God say to me? God reminded me of a passage that I had mentioned a couple weeks ago in my sermon as I was preaching on Psalm 46. And I mentioned this passage, I've mentioned this at other times in different messages as well, and that passage is Isaiah 43, verse 2. And God brought this to mind, and He said, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. God reminded me of this passage that I had shared with you, and I know I've shared it at other times as well, that this is God's promise that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter the difficulties that you're going to go through, uh, God is going to be there with you. And as God reminded me of that, I felt God saying to me, you've talked about it. Now you get to live it. Now you really get to live this out going through something like that, when those waters are rising and are they going to sweep over you when you're going through those fires, are you going to uh, be burned and set ablaze? God saying, you've talked about it. You've shared it with others. Now you get to live it. Was that reassuring? Not entirely. <laughs> Not really. But it was a good reminder. It was a good reminder and also as I waited, I began to think, you know, as you do in, the, in those times of waiting, you, you think about, your mind goes and thinks about all kinds of things. But one of the things that I was thinking about was what was coming next for me. What's, what's on my schedule? And of course, at, at first, uh, at the, the first thought is, well, you know, what, what's next? What do I have to do next? Uh, I'm, I'm here in the hospital uh, but is there something that I should be working on at work, at church here, or something else going on in my life that I need to be thinking about? So you're thinking about this. And one of the things that came to mind was this sermon that I, that I have to preach today. And I knew I was preaching. I planned that I was going to preach on Psalm 100, which is all about praising God. And I knew as I was uh, as, as I was had been thinking about this message, I knew one of the things I thought of, I, perhaps I was going to mention is is a is an account in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas have been arrested, they've been stripped, they've been beaten with rods, thrown in prison, their feet are in stocks, and how do they respond in Acts chapter 16? They began to pray and sing hymns. So I was thinking about that as I was sitting in these waiting rooms and sitting with my daughter waiting for the next thing to happen and thinking, can I praise God in these times? Can I praise God no matter what kind of situation we're in? And I felt God saying to me again the same thing. You've talked about this. 
about praising God in every situation. Now you get to live it. Can I really praise God at times like this? Did I pass that sort of test with flying colors? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Certain, I don't, perhaps didn't feel like it. I didn't sit in the, in the, uh, in the waiting rooms of the hospital singing praises or anything like that. Uh, certainly I did feel like I'd passed through some deep waters. And uh, I know many of us have passed through these same sorts of things or maybe even waters that are far deeper and uh, fires that are far uh, hotter. Did I praise God in all of this? I tried. I'm not sure how successful I was. We don't know exactly what the end of the story is with my daughter. She's at home now. She's recovering well. She's healing. We don't know yet what the tumor was uh, and what may come next as a result of that. Uh, for sure, things are not going to go just go back to normal for us. There's no way uh, that you can just sort of say, oh, okay, from now on we're just back to normal. Uh, I say there's going to be a new normal and we're adjusting to that. But as I thought about this, as we come to this point today, I want us to look still at Psalm 100. And Psalm 100 says simply a psalm for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is good. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So here is a psalm just exhorting us to praise God. To praise God. And that's what I want us to think about and to do this morning. It's just whatever situation we're in, we just praise God. But as we look at uh, this, uh, this passage, we, too, we see two separate but connected kind of ideas happening in this, in this psalm. In this very short uh, psalm of just five verses here. The first is, he's giving some instruction on how to praise God. And we find this idea in verses 1, 2, and 4. He's simply saying this is how we should praise God. There's all kinds of instructions here. Shout for joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. His courts with praise. All these are just sort of instructions or exhortations, encouragements that this is how we should be praising God. And these are familiar things to us who are uh, regulars here at a church. Things like, shouting for joy. Things like worshiping with gladness, coming to Him, singing songs, thanksgiving and praise. We do all these things. Maybe though for us that are kind of a reserved group, we don't do a lot of shouting for joy, but uh, uh, I know at uh, things like SYC, we do, we do more of that kind of shouting for joy. Uh, we're kind of a reserved group, so we don't do much of that, myself included. But we might feel it in our hearts that this shout for joy, even if it doesn't come out, we feel that joy that's welling up inside of us and we just want to shout and let it out. The psalmist in verse 1, he starts out by uh, saying, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. 
by recognizing the whole earth, everybody in it, all the people will shout to joy for the Lord, will shout for joy to the Lord. I believe there's no country in this world that has no Christians in it. You know, in every country of the world, you can go, you can find some Christians. There might not be many. They might be deep underground, but they are there. And so, in a sense, the whole world is praising the Lord. It may not be openly like we are uh, have the freedom to do here, to come and gather together and be open about what we're doing and what we're all about, but, but there are people in every country in the world who are praising God. We are, there is a shout for joy to the Lord going up in every place. There is worship. Eritrea and Ethiopia have been in the news recently. They've finally reached some kind of uh, peace agreement after years of, of struggle. A few years ago, I met a, an Eritrean pastor. And Eritrea was a very difficult country to be, uh, to be a pastor in. For a time there in the, the, in, in the government of Eritrea, they were seizing church buildings. They were seizing church property. They were... Uh, they were seizing Bibles and Christian literature. How did the church respond? They met. They snuck around at night. They were very quiet about what they did. But they kept on meeting. They couldn't, they couldn't stop meeting. And so they kept on meeting and they kept on uh, praising God no matter what situation they were in. And so the the... the the idea there in Psalm 100 verse 1 is just shout for joy to all the earth. The whole earth will indeed praise God. The second thing that we see in Psalm 100 is instructions on who God is. And we see that in verses 3 and 5. He says the Lord is God. He made us. We are His. The Lord is good. He is loving. He is faithful. All these things are qualities, characteristics of God. The Lord is God. These are simple ideas about God that are easy for us to grab hold of. But what's the connection between the two? Hopefully it's fairly clear. We praise God for who He is. Praising isn't about a feeling that we have. Praising isn't about uh, something we do when we are in the mood. But as God is unchanging, so our praise should be unceasing. To him, If God was worthy of our praising yesterday, He is worthy of our praising today. If God was worthy of our praise on the Sunday morning when we come to church, He didn't change. So He's worthy of our praise on Tuesday night when you find out your daughter has a brain tumor. He is still worthy of, change, of praise. He hasn't changed. And so we praise Him in every situation. We might not feel like praising God, but that hasn't changed the fact that we need to be praising God. God is no less deserving of our praise because our situations have gotten difficult. And so, I praise God for who He is, not the situation I am in. If I only praise God when I'm happy in a happy place, my praise is kind of shallow. Praising God does not come as a result of the situation I'm in, but it comes from the very person of God. And that's what the, the psalmist is saying here in Psalm 100. 
if we praise God simply because we're because we're having a good time, because things are going well, then we're praising God for the wrong reason. Certainly, when life's good, it is it is a good time to praise God. But we also need to praise God when things are difficult. The reality of life is that it's easy for us to say, you know, to praise God when we get news like these things, like we've been selected, congratulations, or someone comes and says, I've got good news for you. And you go, praise God, hallelujah. It's easy to do that. But sometimes life is hard and we get things like, maybe next time, or someone else. That was a good effort, but when we get those sorts of words, can we still praise God? How do we do that? How do we praise God in those kinds of situations when life is difficult? How can we praise God and give thanks to Him for everything when life is, is challenging? It comes, I think, as we allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit. And Paul uh, brings that to our mind in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18-20. to And he says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here, Paul uses an interesting contrast. Instead of being drunk on wine, he says, be filled with the Spirit. As much as it is our choice to get drunk on wine, we can also choose to be filled with the Spirit. We allow it to happen. We open ourselves up and say, God, I am Yours. Come and fill me and use me. And take me and let me praise You regardless of whatever situation I might be in. So we can praise God in every situation because it's not in our own self that we're doing it but it, as, it is as God's Spirit fills us up so that we can live out that, uh, the, the, the verses 19 and 20, the last part of that, where we, speak to, we are filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music. It comes as we are filled with the Spirit. It's interesting too, the original language here in the Greek gives us a clue to this filling that's going on. It's, it's, it's a, what we would call a passive, continuous action. So it's ongoing. It's a continuous thing that's happening. But it's also a passive thing. We don't go out and actively fill ourselves with the Spirit, but we are passive in that. But we have to allow God to let us be filled with His Spirit. And as we're open to God's Spirit filling us, we're not resisting and hanging on to control and saying, God, You can fill me uh, 50% with Your Spirit. Or maybe even 75% if I'm uh, in a good mood today, You can have 75% of me, but it's saying, God, You can have all of me. Fill me. If you're only 50% full of the Spirit, you're not really filled. We need to say, fill me totally. And so, to do that, we empty ourselves. We put aside our troubles. We put aside ourselves, our own desires, our own wishes the challenges that we're going through, the things that we're facing, and we say, God, I'm Yours. Fill me. Use me. When you sit in that waiting room and you say, I can't do anything, you say, God, do something. Because I can't do anything. When we do that, 
when we say those things, we start to give ourselves over to the Spirit and to let the Spirit work in us and through us and do things we can't do on our own in our own strength and in our own wisdom. And then we can speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We see our life transformed as Caleb talked about transformation already this morning. We see that transformed through the work of God's Spirit in us. We see God using us to accomplish His will. And we will be praising God in every situation because it's coming through God Himself, through the Spirit that lives in us. And so that's what I think we can do today. Is be praising God in all kinds of ways. We can praise Him with our lives. The way we walk through our life day to day. The way we do our work. The way we interact with our friends and our families. Those can be words of praise in a way. The, word, the, word, the very words we speak, the deeds that we do, can give praise and glory and honor to God. And so we need to be mindful of that as we leave this place, as we head out to whatever uh, is coming next, to the mission field that God has given us, our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our friends, our families, our neighborhoods. We can praise God in all that we do. But in our context today of Psalm 100, he's talking about shouting for joy, worshiping the Lord with gladness. And so I invite the worship team to come and just lead us in songs of praise this morning as we come together and praise God, not for the situation that we're in, but for who He is. So as the Word of God tells us to praise, let's do that now.